Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Matt Densky continues our 10 Practices series, where we'll be talking about 10 daily and weekly practices that can define our faith and bring growth in our life. Matt talks about prayer this week, looking at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, verses 9-13, through 13, where Jesus teaches us how to pray. Matt also discusses waiting on the Lord through prayer. We challenge you to spend five minutes a day praying to start incorporating this practice into your daily life. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey guys, and welcome to another night here at FGS. We're so glad you could join us. Uh, we miss you guys. We love you guys. And as always, we're so thankful that you've decided to worship with us tonight or whenever you're watching this video. Last week, we started unpacking our 10 practices that we believe are not just going to help us survive in this quarantine time, in this stay-at-home time, in the COVID-19 time, but um, we believe this, these 10 practices will help our faith thrive. It's not just a way to strengthen your faith under the context of quarantine. It's a way to strengthen your faith, period. We, we truly believe these 10 practices can make your faith stronger than they've ever been before. And so we're so excited about these. Tonight, we're going to be on practice number two. And practice number two is prayer. Um, you know, prayer is one of these things that I get asked a lot. I get talked to a lot about, like, how do you pray? What do you pray when you talk to God? Like, what are you supposed to say or do? And there's so many um, assumptions or, you know, stigmas about what prayer is. And you have to sound a certain way. You have to say certain things or, you know, a lot of us kind of forget that talking to God is as simple as talking to a friend. And God invites us into that kind of relationship and that kind of conversation. 11 years ago, almost 11 years ago, I asked my beautiful bride out on our very first date. And I was super nervous and um, she had shot down like every dude who had asked her. And so I was nervous that she was going to shoot me down as well. But I thought, no, like, man, let's just go for it. And so I asked her out on a date and uh, it was just simple. We, we met on a Thursday morning at a Starbucks in the downtown Vista of Columbia, South Carolina. And I got there uh, when we had said we would meet and I'm waiting and she doesn't show up. And so I wait five minutes, she doesn't show up. I wait 10 minutes, she doesn't show up. I wait 15 minutes, she doesn't show up. And so now like I'm starting to get a little like frustrated, like, man, come on, girl, like, we're supposed to be on this date. And, you know, I got here on time. I had even uh, bought her a, a drink already ready and waiting for her so that she wouldn't even have to wait in line. You know, I was trying to surprise her. I was super excited. I had all the butterflies and now she's like 15 minutes late. And so I was starting to get a little antsy and a little impatient, a little frustrated. I was like, man, where's this girl at? And so then all of a sudden the, the door opens and I turn around and I look and there she is. And like every ounce of impatience or frustration or whatever just melted away. And she walked into the room. And I remember to this day exactly what she looked like. I know the exact outfit she had on. I can remember how her hair was styled. Uh, I, I see the, the lighting of the sun coming off of her. Like that image is captured in my mind because it was like the confirmation of she's here on our first date. This is it. Uh, and she was right in front of me. And so we hung out that morning. We had a great time together. We had a great conversation uh, that actually evolved from the morning into mid-morning. Then we decided to get lunch together. Like we, <laughs> we were just like, oh, we don't want to stop hanging out. 
And so we decided, what if we started to meet once a week, every Thursday morning? What if we made this our tradition? What if this is how we got to know each other? What if this is how we paced this relationship? And so sure enough, every Thursday morning we would meet, we would talk, we would hang out. And now 11 years later, we've been married uh, for seven and a half years. We're about to hit our eight year anniversary this October. We have two kids. We have a third on the way. Little girl is, is gonna be here in about a month. And now looking back on all this time, it's, it's just so special. Uh, now she and I spend time together naturally. Now we talk together naturally. And there's still intentionality, like we still plan certain things. We make sure we have dates. We make sure that, you know, we, we keep the flame alive and, and we're romantic with each other. But life has evolved and so much of it comes naturally. And one of the things I've learned over seven and a half years of marriage is that so many of my cherished memories with my sweetheart, I didn't necessarily know that they were happening in the moment they were happening. It's, a, it's almost like I needed to look back on them to realize the significance of them or the uniqueness of them or the specialness of them. So why do I talk about this? Why do I bring this up? Why, why am I talking about my bride when we're talking about prayer? Because I think our relationship with God is just that. It's a relationship. And I think when it comes to prayer, prayer is this super confusing thing. And I mean, students all, all the time are asking, how do I pray? Like, what do I talk about? I feel like when I pray, I'm talking to the ceiling. It feels like no one's listening. Like my prayers don't ever come true. It doesn't happen. Like, what am I supposed to be doing in this thing? How do you know it's working? How do you know he's hearing? What, what, how do you even set up a time for this, right? Have you ever felt frustrated with prayer before? I have. And so it can be a confusing thing. And the truth is, like, let's address the elephant in the room. Our culture, the American culture, is not really geared or wired for something like prayer because prayer is mysterious to a certain degree. Prayer is slow to a certain degree. It's, it's not instant. Uh, prayer is not necessarily formulaic. And our culture really loves the opposite of those things. We want a formula, we want predictable, we don't like mystery, we want fast, we don't want it to be slow. And so prayer is a hard thing to cultivate, but our relationship with God is just that, it's a relationship. And if we're gonna be in a relationship with God, it's just like any other relationship in our lives, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship or siblings or father, uh, father mother to, to child, anything like that requires communication, requires talking and listening. And at the end of the day, that's what prayer is. It's our way that we talk to the Father. It's our way that we listen to what He's doing. And so I want to look at a passage of Scripture tonight that is one of the most famous passages, passages of Scripture. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus, in this passage, actually teaches us how to pray. Now, there are a couple of, of different um, times throughout the Gospels that he does this. I'm going to be looking at the time in Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus is teaching on prayer and then he instructs his disciples, his listeners, his followers on how to pray. In Luke's account, the disciples actually come to Jesus and they say, hey, would you teach us how to do that? Would you teach us how to pray? And if you think about that for a second, that's an amazing idea because the disciples had seen Jesus at this point in his ministry, 
cast out demons, have authority over the spiritual realm. They have seen him teach with authority, handle the scriptures with authority, so much so that people are in awe of this man. They've seen him perform miracles and manifest food out of nowhere, heal people who are sick and blind and deaf and can't walk, heal lepers, interact with the Roman uh, elite authorities and, and even heal a centurion's daughter. Like they've seen him do miracle after miracle, teach with authority, carry himself in really mysterious ways. I mean, they know something significant about him, speak to, to the weather, cast out demons. They've seen him do all these things. And yet, you know what they come up to him and they want to learn? They say, Jesus, man, man, could you teach us how to pray like you do? I mean, I got to be honest. If I were the disciples, I, I probably would have been like, Jesus, could you teach me how to talk to the weather? Like, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be nice. The disciples say, man, could you teach us how to talk to God? Because they had seen him do it. And it was different. There was something about it that they didn't understand. How does he do? How does he just talk to the Father? You see, I think in our culture, we overcomplicate prayer. I remember one time I was at a family gathering. It was Thanksgiving, and they asked me to pray. I got that stereotypical, hey, you're a Christian, right? Why don't you pray? And so I did. I prayed. I, I thanked God for our family, and I thanked God for the meal. And that was it. And I remember my aunt was in the room, and she goes, that's it? Well, that's a short prayer. And in the back of my head, I was like, well, then why didn't you pray, Aunt Jill? But then I was like, no, wait a minute. Does it need to be any longer than that? Like, can't prayer just be authentic and from the heart? Why does it need to be complicated? Why do we make it out to be, you gotta have fancy words and long sentences and you've gotta use thee before thou except after thine? And why do you have to talk in ways that you don't normally talk in life? Is that really what prayer is? You see, I think the reason the disciples were so drawn to Jesus and his way of praying is because it was as familiar as talking to a friend. They saw him talk to God as if God were a friend. And they were like, man, I want that. Could you teach us how to do that? So Jesus teaching on prayer. This is Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9 and ending in verse 13. Jesus teaches on prayer. This is called the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's what we call the Lord's Prayer. And the truth is, as familiar as that prayer might be, and you probably have heard that before, you may not exactly know what it means or the implications of it. And so I want to read through it again, but I, I want to amplify it a little bit. I want to unpack it as I read it. I want, to, I want to almost translate what Jesus is saying as I'm reading what Jesus is saying. So let's read, let's read the Lord's Prayer together again. Starting in verse 9, Jesus says this, God who is above us, God who reigns in the heavenly domain, God who is far above you are holy and you are worthy and your name is awesome. God, we ask that your heavenly realm and your heavenly rule would come 
to this earth and to this place and that your perfect will would be done. And just as perfection is being accomplished in the heavenly realm, we are asking that your perfection would be accomplished in the earthly realm as well. And that somehow, Father, you would use us to be a part of that mission on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we ask that you give us what we need today. We're not asking for riches. We're not asking for abundances. We're not asking for fame. We're simply asking for a daily providence, what we need today so that we can continue to minister and love and serve others. Would you forgive us where we sin just like we forgive those who sin against us? Father, would you keep us from temptation, the entanglements, the snares, the traps that weave and wind themselves into our lives and hearts, the things that take us far away from you and distract us from you, the things that, that bring the presence of evil into our hearts. Would you keep us from those things and deliver us from Satan himself? See, all of a sudden that prayer sounds a little bit different. See, I think Jesus is giving us some parameters to think through here. Glorifying God who is above and whose name is awesome. Asking God's kingdom to come and his perfection to be done as we partner with him, providing what we need, forgiving us of our sins, and helping us remain devoted to righteousness, to the kingdom. Some pretty simple concepts, and yet we overcomplicate them. At the end of the day, here's, here's really what I've discovered prayer to be. It's not only these things, like this isn't the exhaustive list, list, but this is a few. Prayer is waiting, submitting yourself to a moment, and it could be a long moment, but submitting yourself to a season or, or a, a time in which you are waiting on God to speak. If your prayer life only involves you talking, you're not listening, you're not waiting. You want instant results. You're asking for favors. You're, you're punching in a, you're putting in a quarter and punching in numbers to a vending machine. That's not waiting. Prayer is waiting. Prayer is sometimes setting specific times to talk and meet. Sometimes it has to be a discipline. Sometimes it just doesn't come as naturally as we hope it would. And prayer is, is a rhythm. Prayer over time begins to happen naturally. Now think back to my relationship with Lauren. It's the exact same pattern. We set up some first initial meetings and she's running late. And now I'm waiting on her in Starbucks and I'm frustrated. I'm like, man, where is this girl? And don't we get frustrated with God when it feels like we have to wait? Man, God, how come you're not answering my prayers? Where are you? I thought all I had to do was ask and you would answer. So now we're in this weird transition period where we're simply waiting. See, prayer is a discipline of of, of of forcing our spirit to wait on what God is doing. It's not him doing what we want. It's, it's disciplining our spirit to wait on him to see what he's gonna do. And then we get to join him in the process. And then when Lauren and I started meeting, man, it was fantastic, it was beautiful, it was great. And we were both so excited about it and we didn't wanna let it go. So we were intentional about it. Hey, we should do this every Thursday. And so prayer is also, I think, a discipline to set up specific times in which you say, this is worth it. This is needed. 
we're moving towards a bigger picture, a deeper relationship, and it takes work and it takes effort and we're gonna get there. So to set up specific times. One of the biggest challenges I think I've observed in the lives of students and in myself over the years is I know prayer is important. I have a high value on praying um, as a theory, but not a high value of praying as a practice. I think it's really, really good and important, but if I'm honest, I'm not the best at practicing it as much as I want. So what if we began to discipline the practice, to set up specific times, weekly or daily or whatever? And then finally, you know, in my relationship with Lauren, all of a sudden hanging out and talking just became so natural. It was just part of the flow of the relationship. And now looking back, I see all these special moments that I didn't exactly know were happening in those moments. And honestly, it's the same thing with God. Looking back, I can see how so many of my prayers have been answered and so many desires of my hearts have been fulfilled by him. But in that moment, I didn't necessarily have the eyes to see it. It's hindsight. The more natural prayer became, the more I just started talking to him throughout the day. And now looking back, I can see everything he's been doing. It's very, very clear. Prayer is waiting on God. Prayer is sometimes setting up specific times to talk to God. And prayer is seeing all that God has done, but sometimes it's in the rearview mirror. You don't necessarily see it in the moment. At the end of the day, I think the reason the disciples were so drawn to Jesus and his way of praying is because they saw their leader talking to a friend and no one had ever seen people approach God as if he were a friend. At the end of the day, praying is as simple as talking to a friend. You sit down, you listen, and you speak. You wait, you set times to do it, and then you reflect. You talk to your friend. So as a student ministry, we believe praying is our line of communication to the Father. And what we're asking and what we're inviting ourselves into is that during this time, we would be intentional and specific with our prayer. And every day, we would pray for five minutes a day. That's not a lot of time. But we believe this small practice can lead to big things and that eventually it has a snowball effect to lead to more and more natural times of talking and listening to the Father. Five minutes a day. We love you guys. We hope you engage in this practice and discover the beauty and the familiarity of talking to God as your friend. Have a great night.